0: Mental health issues are not just a clinical issue. Uh, Mental health issues are also influenced by sort of cultural norms and and belief systems as well. Hey, family, I'm Leon Guidry. Welcome to the Brother Be Well podcast. Our conversations focus on mental health and wellness. Our intent is to provide a safe space for boys and men of color to reduce disparities, remove stigma, heal trauma, and to end prolonged suffering. Listen up, y'all.
1: Hi, I'm Michael P. Coleman, content director for Brother Be Well. Tonight, we're going to be talking about stigma that is still, believe it or not, associated with mental health and how stigma manifests itself across generations. We've got a great panel to help us talk about this. We're going to be talking with Patrick Ma. Let me introduce you to him. He's a Brother Be Well clinical advisor. Patrick, how's it going? Good to see you again.
2: I'm doing well, Michael. How are you?
1: Really good, really good to see you. We've got Esther Murithi. She's a part of our Capital City Black Nurses Association Dream Team. Esther, how are you tonight?
3: I'm doing wonderful, happy to be here.
1: Really good to have you back on the platform. And we got a new friend to us here at Brother Be Well. Jacob Vargas is a public health advocate. Jacob, how are you,
0: sir? Hey Mike, I'm doing well, thanks for having me.
1: Hey, really good, really good to have you here as well as everybody else. Let's, let's get right into this, we got a lot to talk about. As we look at stigma and mental health, I'm happy to say that at least in this case, um, we seem to be getting better at something as we go along. Um, younger generation seems to be much more on top of this than than folks my age or folks even older. I'm wondering if you'd agree with me. Can we learn something? Can can adults learn something from younger generations about stigma and mental health and how we deal with that? I don't know who wants to take that. Maybe Jacob, you're 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 the newie newbie to the group. Why don't you take that one first?
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I think that the younger generations, they definitely do have a little bit of an advantage because um, as when it comes to people my age, it's more acceptable. It's more encouraged. There's more information available in in different media uh, to help inform, to better inform what mental health is and uh, how to combat mental health stigma. So when I was growing up, I was definitely taught to to man up and to stop my crying and um, whenever I experience any sort of anxiety or depression, uh, my parents didn't really know how to deal with it. And so they kind of thought that I was being weak. And so um, what I understand now is that the, the my shortcomings and my blind spots when it comes to uh, emotional and mental health awareness, that those are actually inherited from my parents. And so sometimes I worry that um, they might cling on to those values and those beliefs uh, where they still think that talking about your feelings or vulnerability is a weakness. So that's one obstacle that they still have to overcome. And good thing is, younger people my age, we can actually help them by talking about uh, mental health issues, mental health wellness with them. So that's one thing that we can offer to to uh, to our parents' generation.
1: Jacob, before I throw it to anybody else, I got to tell you, every time you say, people my age, I kind of seize up inside. So, <laughs> thank you for reminding always. <laughs> Sorry about, about that Mike. Let, <laughs> let, let me throw that, that opening question to also Patrick and Esther. Uh, Esther, what's your take on that? Can we learn something from the younger folks on on um, on dealing with mental health?
3: Yeah, I think like Jacob said, mental health has come a long way. Um, I think younger generation is definitely an advantage given that they have way more uh, access, right, to the internet, and so they're able to go search for the things they're experiencing. And are by like, it's very rare that you won't find an instance or somebody that you can relate to, right? Um, and I think just other generations, even people my age and older, can learn from this by seeing how open they are to it. And then I think also seeing that it's helpful. I think that will be what helps the previous generations be able to embrace this more.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're going to get back to this a little bit later, so I'm going to move on. We're going to talk about specifically those generational differences in a second. But as we define stigma, I want to get at this, public versus self-stigma. As you know, public stigma involves the negative attitudes that others have about mental illness. Self-stigma refers to those negative attitudes that we have internalized, the things that we've heard and we've we've internalized, we believe them about our own state, about our own conditions. I'm wondering for your perspective, um, Patrick, let's start with you, we haven't heard from you yet today. What does society in this country say to us about mental illness? You having having come to this country, you might have an interesting perspective about that. Here in this country, what, is, what do we tell ourselves and tell others about mental illness? And does that message or those messages differ across generations?
2: Yeah, thank you for the question, Michael. I also just want to note that, you know, before we go any further, we need to define what public versus self stigma is, which you did. Um, I think there are two separate entities. However, they are definitely connected in many ways. Um, the public stigma is what causing, um, great amount of stress on individual living with mental illness or mental health conditions, um, myself included, because I'm living with depressions. Um, And then as far as self-stigma is something that, you know, the person living with uh, mental illness has internalized over the years. Um, I truly believe that, you know, once you've been told many times over and over by many different people that there is something wrong with you, Sadly, a lot of people start to believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know so that's the part that's the process of internalizations um the the public stigma into the self stigma mm-hmm. as far as um being from a, a foreign country and and migrated here as an immigrant um, definitely there is a, a culture shift. however, um, the stigma is pretty much the same across um, countries, you know um in Vietnam. Um, having a mental illness, just like Jacob mentioned, is a weakness that is frowned upon, especially if you are a man. And in my case, I am, you know, basically the the the, the oldest or you know the elder um man of the family. So having that quote unquote weakness is certainly frowned upon and constantly obstastra obstetric because. Um, we're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to take care of the family. So, you know, in addition to the public stigma, the self-stigma is one of the many reasons why people do not get the help they need. Um, statistically speaking, one in four of adults in the U.S. already have a mental illness or will develop a mental illness at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and having this um, stigma and discrimination against mental illness doesn't lead, doesn't help.
1: What are some of the effects of stigma? And I'm, I'm, we're going to touch on the physiological effects in a second. So don't focus on the physical body yet. What are some of the effects of stigma? We're talking about it. We certainly um, bumped heads with it over. All, I bet all four of us would have our own set of stigma stories and we'll probably be able to share some of those tonight. But I'm wondering from your perspective, what are some of the effects of stigma? What does it really do to our development, to our ability to kind of move through life?
3: I think in general, having stigma against, you know, against mental illness, it stops people from seeking help. Um, So then they'll have instances where they'll have violence and this can lead to homelessness, um, as well as not being able to function in a job because you're not getting the help you need. So that can suddenly interfere with that part of your life. You can also have issues with forming relationships and being in long-term relationships and then ostracizing your family so mm-hmm. it's it can be quite perversive having that stigma around it and people not being able to seek help.
1: Mm-hmm. Jacob you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah so um, I actually listed a couple of things that I thought were associated with uh, some of the problems with mental health uh, mental health stigma and um, some of them, a lot of them uh, were already covered but The first one was an inability to recognize the symptoms of mental health in yourself and your family. That could could lead to um, mislabeled or misunderstood behavior. Uh, One of the other problems with stigma is that it can lead to an inability to express mental health needs, which can also lead to uh, undiagnosed mental health conditions as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, uh, feelings of not being able to live up to societal expectations um, can also lead to uh, to sort of low self-esteem, uh, feelings of low self-worth. Um, it can also lead to self-destructive substitutes for untreated mental health issues, such as substance abuse, alcohol abuse, or self-harm. And uh, unfortunately, these these all sort of come together to sort of undermine any sort of self-esteem that you could have. And that also in itself could lead to mental health issues, mental health crises. Wow,
1: wow. Yeah,
2: Michael, I think Jacob and Esther already share cover most of the effects of the stigma. Something I do I do want to mention is uh, the effect of stigma on institutionalized uh, policies mm-hmm. um, in terms of, you know, as a clinician myself, um, there is a lack of systemic and institutionalized policy to protect, not, not just to protect, but also the most important part is to a individual living with mental illness to seek the help they need because they constantly be stigmatized against. I know as a clinician, it's not something that I share openly just because. Um, it may affect how patients view me, how my colleagues will treat me um, and, you know, their doubts about my ability to care for patients. So something that is very, very pervasive indeed.
1: Mm-hmm. I was just talking um, earlier today about the effects of uh, of chronic stress on the physical body. And it reminded me of what we were going to talk about uh right now we're going to talk about it. In fact, for the healthcare professionals, Patrick, you and, and Esther, if you address this, what are the physiological effects of stigma? So you buy into, you, you, you've you adopted self-stigma, you begin to believe some of the messages that you've received. How does that begin to show up in your body in, a, in, in very negative ways?
3: I think you'll start to see them in in ways that you know, having tummy aches, headaches, um, constantly feeling fatigued. And so they're looking for a physical ailment. But really, this adjusts those effects of stigma and not being able to, you know, get help for your mental illness showing up in your physical body. Mm-hmm. Other ways you might see this manifested is things like insomnia, you're not able to sleep, or it could be on the opposite end where you're spending a lot of time in bed. Um, you can also feel just worn out and tired. Daily, um, and that again just goes back to the reason why, the overarching reason and the reason that needs to be addressed, which is your mental illness.
1: Mm-hmm, right,
3: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Patrick, thoughts on that?
2: Um, I think that the physiologic effects on individual varies because you know one person can have depression, the next person can have schizophrenia or bipolar. So um, the effects of stigma on those conditions are also very different. Schizophrenic patients have, have um, the reputation of being very um, violent. Um, and actually, statistically speaking, they are most of the time the victim of violence and not the perpetrator of violence. So, you know, with different type of stigma come with different physiological aspects. And I think Esther touched on it, many of that already. Um, I think something that I could think of is the way that they interact with the world, when you're not feeling well, if you're not sleeping well, because you have insomnia, because you're depressed, because you can't get out of bed and feel fatigue all the time, mm-hmm. your interaction with the world is also very different. And I think that's also manifest a physiological response to your environment. And um, in turn, it just creates this almost um, just, you know, vicious cycle where you're constantly feeling fatigued and you're being treated as you fatigue and you feel more fatigue over time um, and feeling more stigmatized over time.
1: Mm-hmm. The, the term you just used, uh, Patrick, vicious cycle, comes to me when I think about this next question. You know, we're, we're four, um, well, three reasonably intelligent people and then me sitting here talking. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what? I'm just curious. What about stigma? You know, I'm thinking back, for those of you that are old enough to remember the 80s, we had a a first lady whose answer to the drug crisis was just say no. And as reductive as that was, I'm tempted to just say, we know better now. Why do we continue to tell ourselves these negative things about mental health? Why do we, why is it, why does it continue? Why does it pers- persist? Why are we even why do we have to talk about it spanning across generations At my grandfather's generation? We've learned so much over the years. So can we just get out a little bit why from all three of your perspectives, Why do you think it's so very pervasive?
2: I think um, the reason why it is so pervasive is fear, fear. Um, physiologically, you know, we were genetically to fear what we don't understand. And I think a lot of people don't understand what mental illness is and what mental health condition means. Um, and what they, the information that they receive is either from looking up through the internet, mm-hmm. through, you know, un, it's incredible, like, incredible so- source, um, or, you know, watching TV and, you know, having these shows and t- and, and movies show very dramatic side um, of having of an individual living with a mental illness where they do something quote, crazy and just out of the extraordinary. Yeah. So I think what they, they experience is the fear of the unknown. Um, and when you have that fear, of the unknown there's two physiological response, you fight or you flight. Um, and, you know, some people decided to, you know, attack that unknown fear of the unknown of mental illness. Um, so I think that's one of the very, very big reasons why it's so pervasive mm-hmm. um, and not understanding and not having to proper education about mental illness certainly just perpetuate the situation.
1: Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And before I toss it to you, Esther and, and Jacob, Patrick, you mentioned media images, so I wanted to touch on that. That's my background uh, communications and journalism. And I'm reminded of the very the very negative um, connotations and messages and stories that, are, that have been told for generations in mass media about even therapy you know there's there was almost a caricature you walk into an office and you lay on the couch and it was this kind of cliche vision of what therapy was even the term psychotherapy I wondered if if folks have focused on the cycle you know the old Alfred Hitchcock movie and have made uh, extrapolated from that that if you have to have therapy you must be psycho you're somebody dressing up as your mother and stabbing somebody in the shower and then you get you know, when when media when the news tells a story about some heinous crime, and the first thing they mention was whether or not the person has a mental a, a mental health issue, people, you know, your lay people are making connections the minute they hear that. So I wondered about that. But you know, enough about what I wondered about. Jacob, Jacob, how about you? Why do you think it's so pervasive? Stigma so very pervasive.
0: I, I think that one of the major reasons why stigma <laughs> is is so pervasive is because, uh, unfortunately mental health issues are not just a clinical issue. Uh, Mental health issues are also influenced by sort of cultural norms and and belief systems as well. So uh, something that Patrick touched on before, uh, something like concepts of masculinity can actually have mental health issues and stressors built into them. So for example, like a lot of boys in this country are socialized to put a lot of emphasis on self-reliance and to repress their emotions. And they they do this at a really early age. Um, And this can be done by parents, uh, caregivers, uh, school systems and things like that. Um, Unfortunately, the the virtues of male strength are a recipe for social and personal isolation. And that combination of things can make it really, it can often lead to feelings of anxiety and depression. asking for help and mental health issues or being vulnerable enough to, to talk about those things, they that can be interpreted as a, a violation of what it means to be a man. And it, it like you said, it's a, a vicious cycle where the, the pressures of, of masculinity don't fit with what it means to be a healthy human being. And so you're struggled in that conflict. And a lot of times people will say, well, mental health issues, that that's not a cultural issue. That's just, that's just a clinical thing. And unfortunately, mental health problems can can sort of seep in through those cu- cultural avenues, and those are long running uh, lessons, unfortunately.
1: And I'm making a bad habit of jumping in and giving commentary between my experts. I apologize <laughs> for that, but you reminded me, Jacob, when you talk about when we're, when we're thinking about it being generational. Sometimes those negative messages have been delivered. You touched on it by people that, as children, we love and care about and trusted. So when you mm-hmm. trusted caregiver, like in my particular instance, I was very young when my mother made fun of her brother for, for going to therapy. And she said the words, only crazy people go to therapy. I at seven or eight believed that, she, that of course, my mother knew what she was talking about. And so I had to, to, to teach myself something different. I had to unlearn that message. And that was a barrier for me. Mm-hmm. As, as I had to kind of get back on a journey to where I needed to be. Patrick, what about you? Why do you think it's so very pervasive?
2: Well, I don't really think touch on that, you know, as far as uh, the fear of the unknown. Um, but I also think that um, we can discuss later on about the difference in- between generations and I think yeah. why... Um, it's continued to be an issue for us.
1: Let's get at that right now. And I'll let you open that up. We, we talked all about right. misconceptions <laughs> with generation. This is the one that I was most excited
2: about. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I
1: so think I think so many misconceptions out there. And I, I, I think they differ. If you talk to different generations of folks, you'll hear very different messages. And I like to tell myself it's getting better over time, excuse me, over time, but maybe it's not. So Patrick, you got the floor. Talk about
2: it. Yeah. So um when we originally brought up some of this aspect um in our first conversation, um it's actually brought up two points that I want to bring up. One is um the the power inheritance. So uh, it's actually not a negative thing. It's actually a positive thing in terms of stigma uh, and uh, how far we have come uh, along because you know, just give you an example, um LGBTq rights. Um, we have come a long way and it's not because the younger generations are better at it or you know more savvy or more accepting it's these generation inheritance of um, progress that have moved us forward further and further into what should be universal as far as LGBTQ rights mm-hmm. the same go for mental health stigma you know we have um, push them further and further away because we have generations of uh, individual like yourself, Michael. Um, <laughs> that is. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. So I think you know, wise individual like yourself who have more experience advocating for issues like mental health has helped the younger generation. Um, like myself, like Esther or Jacob, I don't know how old Jacob is, but, you know, the younger generation um, to move further away from stigma and discrimination. And when it comes to mental illness, so the power inheritance is actually very, very um, significant in this case. And then the second thing I want to mention, I think Jacob uh, and Esther touched on that was um, the power of media. Um, It's a so, you know, for the younger generation, I wouldn't consider myself young because I'm going to be 31 in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, it's a double-edged sword because it can have the power of destruction or, of destruction, or the power of, you know, being a something viral. So in terms of stigma and discrimination, because there have been so many series that make about mental illness, like um, – I can remember. I'm blanking on the name, but there's one theory about high school student who, uh, committed suicide. Mm. Um, you know, it was on Netflix and it was a big deal. Mm. Um, and it was almost advertised as like dangerous for people to watch, especially younger kids, mm. because it, it's their prime target. The, the audience is teenagers. Um, and, you know, that just showed that, you know, we have come a long way in terms of You know, try to reduce the stigma and discrimination. And uh, because we have the media, um, it can have both side effects, negative or positive. And I think the younger generations are empowering themselves to use that tool to spread message of hope, message of recovery, and um, use that social media to their advantage to reduce stigma and discrimination. Because many of them experience a mental health condition or mental illness, and They just simply post it on Facebook or Instagram, and someone will jump into, you know, provide them with some guidance. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether it's not a good, people are paying attention Mm -hmm. to social media and what is posted. Mm
1: -hmm. We had a conversation here at Brother B. Well, just earlier today with a a young man who was uh, overcoming homelessness, and he talked about how social media was kind of his conduit to services. So a lot of what you just said resonated with me.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Brother Be Well podcast. Remember to join the BBW community at BrotherBeWell.com so we can stay aware and heal trauma together. Thanks also to our sponsors, Sutter Health and the Sacramento County Division of Behavioral Health Services through the voter-approved Proposition 63 Mental Health Services Act. I'm Leon Guidry, and I'm out.